Welcome to Talking News. We are delighted to have you with us, listening to our presentation by members of the Beach Street Center, Martha, Marion, and Jonathan. We will be reading local news and happenings from the community newspaper. Adam Dash Wins Selectman by Joanna K. Zuvelis. Adam Dash has won the race for the Belmont Board Belmont Board of Selectmen seat against Guy Carboni in the annual Belmont Town election, according to Town Clerk Ellen O'Brien Cushman. 27.94% of Belmont's registered voters cast ballots on April 4, with 63.3% picking Dash as Belmont's newest selectman filling outgoing Board of Selectmen Vice Chair Sammy Badgadi's seat. The unofficial results from the town clerk put Dash at 3125 votes to rival Guy Carboni's 1808. Dash won in every precinct except Precinct 4, which had Carboni leading by four votes 195 to 191. Library trustee incumbent candidates Gail Mann and Kathy Cohane beat newcomer David Stivata for the open trustee positions. Cohane got 40.87% of the votes, Mann 38.82%, and Stivata 20.15%. Dash celebrated his victory with a party at his Golden Street home. The victory is a clarion call for change, a mandate for movement to bring Belmont forward and proactively and logically tackle the issues which face us, said Dash. He told the Citizen Herald that he looks forward to getting involved and prioritizing his laundry list of things he would like to do, working with his colleagues on the board. Today was the end of part one. Part two begins tomorrow, which is actually getting stuff done, he said. Carboni said he was very proud of his campaign. I learned a lot about Belmont that I was unaware of. It's a very complicated town I had the best team. I'm happy that I ran. I really feel the town learned something from what I was saying in the campaign. And I think it's going to re resonate for quite a while because of this, of the problems Belmont faces and remembers. I said in 2020, there's going to be another override, he said. He is not sure if he will run again. He doesn't like to speculate on the future. Library trustee winner Mann said she looks forward to working collaboratively with her fellow trustees and the library director to continuously improve the library's programs, ser services for all Belmontians. Steve Otter said it is too soon to say if he will run again, 
but it is certainly a possibility. Jonathan? Work continues toward airplane noise solutions by Monica Jimenez. Residents are still clamoring for relief from airplane noise years after the Federal Aviation Administration switched to a new navigation system that routed more aircraft over their homes. Nearly 30 people showed up at a meeting of the advocacy group of Best Boston West Fair Skies at the Belmont Public Library held on the 29th of March. Uh, research into possible solutions and recommendations to legislators. A show of hands revealed attendees from Belmont, Arlington, Watertown, Cambridge, and Medford. We are working with local aviation officials and general folks to try to convince them, first of all, that this is an issue, and then work with them to find ways to alleviate the issue, member, member Tom Waite told the crowd. We're not going back to where it was, but hopefully we'll get a little closer to where it was before. Member Kent Johnson showed attendees a graph of data collection from a noise data meter in an East Arlington backyard. <clears throat> One of five such meters in towns around the area combined with data such as flight numbers and at altitudes pulled from online. The group has convinced the town of Belmont to buy another better noise meter, which will be the weatherproof, which will be weatherproof and able to run for seven days without being charged, said Johnson. <clears throat> he added, they're always looking forward for volunteers willing to place these meters in their yards. This kind of data instru instrument in getting the FAA Massachusetts Port Authority Massport to begin investigating the issue. We're a long way from a solution to the problem, Johnson said, but it's a big step from nothing to see go away. Myron Casaraba, Belmont's representative on the Massport Community Advisory Committee, it reported on the Boston Logan Airport noise study called BLANS, the Blands, a long running process to identify and evaluate alternative runway use measures that might help address the noise problem will wrap up in May. Casaraba also talked about a study focusing on traffic from one Logan runway, in, a, in particular the 33L, which is being led by MIT Aeronautics and Astronautics Professor John Hansman, Jr. The study will also include possible solutions, according to Casaraba, including dispersing flights rather than con concentrating them into narrow paths, or having planes rise higher sooner after takeoff so the thrust noise event doesn't happen over people's homes. Finally, Casaraba reported that at its last general meeting, the MCAC approved recommendations to to Massport, including asking certain types of planes to install noise suppressor technology and adopting a program to track and report on noise. Evaluate noise-based landing fees also. I don't think there's going to be a magic wand to fix all of this, Casaraba said, but there's a real desire by FAA and Massport to come up with incremental improvements. 
The meeting ended with a question and answer session, which mostly involved residents expressing frustration at the continued noise and, any, anything, and asking what else can they do. In August of 2013, I came home from vacation and there were flights over the house constantly at intervals of 30 to 45 seconds, said Belmont resident Jane Dugan, who lives on Edgemore Road. It was unbelievable. Dugan said she has made many calls to Massport but wonders how effective they are. Another woman asked what else she could do other than call the stupid complaint line and was answered by several people who said calls are effective if they come from many different addresses. Suggestions for how to do this range from handing out leaflets to hanging a banner with a complaint. Marion. Market to Remain in Center by Jack Kelly. After receiving hundreds of letters from residents in favor of keeping the Belmont Farmers Market in its current location, the Belmont Board of Selectmen unanimously approved the request from the Belmont Food Collaborative to continue holding the Belmont Farmers Market in the rear of the town-owned Claflin Street Municipal Parking Lot in Belmont Center for the market's 12th season. What normally would have been a rubber stamp approval of the Belmont Food Collaborative's request at the March 28th Selectman meeting became a contentious issue when Kevin Foley, manager of Locatelli Properties and landlord of the new Foodies Market, presented a petition signed by 21 members of the business community stating the farmer's market should be moved to a different location. Foley said, the farmer's market took up too many parking spaces. It is an issue of parking. Foley asked that the Belmont Food Collaborative and the selectmen consider holding the farmer's market on either a Monday or Tuesday afternoon in the Claflin lot. Thursdays are a very busy time for the local businesses and parking spaces are at a premium, he said. Len Simons, an attorney for Locatelli Properties, said we're here to talk about 2018. We understand that the farmer's market is set to go for this year. Leases for six new initial businesses have been signed in the former Macy's building, which will make parking more difficult. We would like to see the market move to another day if the parking situation proves unacceptable, he, said, he added. Board of Selectmen Vice Chairman Sammy Baghdadi said, we are speculating on the potential impact on parking of foodies. We will need to, to have discussions in early fall on the actual impacts before the Belmont Food Collaborative has its 2018 schedule settled. Martha. Budget then and now. In 1980, Massachusetts voters approved Proposition 2.5, limiting the amount of money a town could collect from property taxes over the previous year, unless voters specifically approved an increase. Municipal budgeting was changed forever. The offset, the reduction to budgets, the state in 1982, provided increased local aid for municipal and school services. And in the years since, there has been a transformation in how municipalities approach budgeting, 
for both towns and schools. Proposition two and a half and subsequent state actions, including the Massachusetts Education Reform Act of 1993, which established new standards, introduced a statewide assessment system, and created a process the accountability has required towns to become more creative and discriminating in their budgeting approach. To fill the budgeting gaps, some towns have turned to private funding for capital projects. Some have created friends of organizations and some become adept at securing state and federal grants to fund items once funded through local tax dollars. Others have trimmed town and school staffs, changed building operating hours, dimmed the lights and eliminated programs as they struggle with ever-shrinking slices of the financial pie. Employing some good old-fashioned newspaper reporting skills, wicked local multimedia journalists across the region have dug deep into town archives to examine how budgets have changed over the past 40 years. They have loafed through uh, yellowing town reports, rummaged through boxes of files in dusty town hall basements, and chatted up long-time town workers and town meeting members to create a picture of what was and what is regarding town budgets. The result is what you see in this issue of the Belmont Citizen Herald. In addition to providing an overview of the state's budget trends, we bring you the stories behind the numbers, the stories of your town. Jonathan? The Balancing Act of Municipal Finances by Jenna Fisher, Melissa Russell, Caitlin Kelleher, Henry Schwann, who all report, contributed to this report. It's budget season. No matter how you feel about how money management is handled in your hometown, municipal budgets are the backbone of a community. When revenue dries up, it can have a drastic impact on whether a town can add classrooms or repair rows, let alone start new initiatives. Massachusetts towns and cities are looking to approve budgets for the next fiscal year. A wicked local review of local budgets and state uh, shows, uh, aid, state aid shows that as budgets have risen significantly throughout the past three decades, the state aid may have relied on <clears throat> how to help balance those budgets and, 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 and or not balance. We're really doing less today, said municipal, Ma Massachusetts Municipal Association Executive Director Jeff Beckwith. This fiscal year, for the first time in 20 years, local aid is less than 20% of all municipal revenue, according to a report from the Massachusetts Taxpayer Foundation. The portion of municipal revenue that is local aid has decreased over the last nine years, the foundation reported. The 2017 fiscal year local aid 
is less than the 2008 fiscal year local and even without accounting for inflation, said Beckwith, adding that the last recession is partly to blame. The new normal is now low revenue growth, Beckwith said, and that leaves local governments with few options. There are some real stressors on municipal finances, Beckwith said. Municipalities generally get the bulk of the revenue from property taxes, on average 55 to 58 percent, during the past seven years, according to the foundation. School and government aid generally come next, followed by motor vehicle excise and parking meter fees, according to a wicked local review of municipal budgets. The money the state can add to Coffers can only increase as state revenues increase unless residents want to see cuts in state services, said Eileen McKinney, the president of the Massachusetts Taxpayer Foundation. When education reform in the early 1990s changed the process of distributing Chapter 70 money, restricting it to school budgets, budget planners had to work with a stricter stricter confines when applying to line items. Wicked local research shows that in the 1970s, local government began to upgrade local infrastructure and refurbish old buildings. In the 1980s, cities and towns began to look for new ways to raise money as demand for spending increased and Proposition 2 and a half capped revenues increases to property tax revenue. But Property two and a half overrides are harder to get voters to pass, Beckwith said. Since the mid-2000s, voters are only passing about half of the proposed overrides to increase municipal operating budgets, according to Beckwith. It is more difficult to pass an operating override than it was 10 years ago, Beckwith said. It is one of the reasons municipal aid is so important. The vast number of communities can rely on a significantly increasing property taxes. In an effort to avoid going to taxpayers to ask for overrides, local officials started to ask the state for more money. They received very little state aid, but it wasn't nearly the same after Proposition 2.5, said Beckwith. The state had to step up and provide aid. With limited resources of revenues, towns attempt to get their get to get creative with their budgets, regionalizing services, private fundraising, and energy savings. The flip side is budget cuts, leading to more students in class and smaller municipal government staffs. They have been eliminated thousands of positions, said Beckwith, adding the struggle to find more money for municipalities isn't necessarily a new problem. It's just beginning more pronounced as budget skyrocket. Marion? Belmont's Financial Changes Over the Years by Joanna K. Zuvalis. Changes to local and state aid have affected Belmont's municipal budget over the years, requiring residents to pay more out-of-pocket fees for recreation, parking, busing, athletics, and fine art. Longtime residents Anne and Fred Paulson raised four children in Belmont. At the time, they did not have to pay any fees. Fred has been a town meeting member since 1956 and also served as a member of the Belmont School Committee for nine years in the 1960s. Anne served two 
three-year terms as a selectman from 1986 to 1992 and served as a state representative for 14 years from 1993 to 2007. If we add up all the fees the parents have to pay and add that to the town budget, there would be a lot more spending money, said Anne. Fred said another unfortunate effect on the town's tight budget is developers building on open space, which the town sees as a way to get more tax revenue. It's a no-win situation, he said. If someone moves into a $3 million home and has four children, the taxes they pay to the town are supporting the cost of educating their children. There is no additional revenue for the town. Housing developments provide more tax dollars, are used up by the services needed, said Anne. Effects of Proposition 2.5 and, and reductions in federal, local, and state aid. Fred recalls when Proposition 2.5 took effect, not only did it put a cap on how much taxes could be raised each year, it also took away the school committee's independence and put real limits on what they could spend each year. It meant difficulties in town meeting, having flexibility in deciding what should be done, he said. When federal aid was lost, Fred said cities and towns had to start paying the cost for special needs students to be educated out of district, which added another burden on the town budget. We spent $6.1 million last year, 2015-16 school year, on out-of-district tuitions for special education students. Laws for special education have been in place since the 1970s, said Anthony DiCollegero, Director of Finance, Business, and Operations for Belmont Public Schools. In an effort to get down to the Proposition 2.5 limitation, the town made decisions that were not very helpful. For instance, to save money eight years ago, Streets were rebuilt, but money was not spent to reconstruct sidewalks. This was a bad decision, Fred said. Today you can't walk on a school street sidewalk without running into a terrible break or steep pavement. Now, he said, the problem is more expensive to fix. Anne recalled when trash was picked up two times a week. She also recalls when leaves were collected. Street sweepers used to clean the streets more frequently. Town trees also used to get watered. As the budget got cramped, we began to lose little bits of services that I always felt were part of the real pleasure of living in the town, said Anne. Fred said the town began to charge more fees to help with the budget constraints, including parking, recreation, and schools. It's unfair people who participate in local recreation are not the people who go off on summer vacation. It's the ordinary people. It's very hard for a family in Belmont to apply for a reduction in fees, said Anne. Martha? Yes. Uh, with Belmont's financial changes over the years, town moderators' historic perspective Mike Widmer has been the town moderator since 2008. Prior to that, he served as a town meeting member since 1981 and was a member of 
the Warrant Committee for 15 years, from 1993 to 2008. There are more things going on now in Belmont than I can remember the past four decades, said Widmer. In the 1980s, he said, there was a large increase in state and local aid, which saved municipalities. The recession in 2000 caused a big drop in revenue, he said. There was some economic recovery in 2002 and 2003, but it was not as strong as the 1980s and 1990s. State aid is a small part of the town's revenues and has the greatest volatility, he said. It determines whether we can make investments in the schools or cut back, said Widmer. Belmont is a town of homes, but it means we have tight budgets, as we inevitably do, and the town has to turn to homeowners, said Widmer. Belmont has been more reluctant than similar communities to turn to overrides and debt exclusion, said Widmer. There were 13 years between successful overrides in 2002 and 2015. I think that we have paid a price for going long periods between overrides and said Widmer. He believes Belmont has always made good use of the money it has, but the per pupil spending is behind the state average. And yet we have one of the best education systems in the state, he said. According to Cologuero, the most recent information by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education is for the 2014 to 2015 school years, where Belmont's per pupil expenditure is $13,029 compared to the state average of 14986 Belmont has always been divided about supporting the schools. He saw it at town meeting a decade or so or two ago. There's always tension between investing in the schools and investing in other town departments, he said. He also sees tension between the population which grew up in Belmont and the newcomers. The long-timers support the schools, but not to the extent the newcomers do, said Widmer. Things are more subdued today. If we didn't have private fundraising, it would show more clearly the disconnect between the reserves and services we want to provide, said Widmer. Jonathan? A forum was held in the Beach Street Center, 266 Beach Street, Belmont, on the proposal to go ahead with the building of, of, the, uh, of the high school. The agenda for this meeting was will will begin with a project update presented by the Belmont High School Building Committee 
followed by an update on the educational plan presented by Superintendent John Phelan. These presentations will then be followed by an opportunity for the public to ask questions <clears throat> and provide comments. Belmont has entered into a grant process with the state to complete a feasibility study and explore solutions to the high school facility to better deliver Belmont's educational program to its students. The Massachusetts School Building Authority is a quasi-independent government authority that assists the districts in funding capital improvement projects to the Commonwealth's public schools. Their mission is to partner with Massachusetts communities to support the design and construction of educationally appropriate, flexible, sustainable, and cost-effective public school facilities. The Belmont High School Building Committee was established by town meeting vote in February of 2016. Town employees and residents were appointed by the town moderator in 2016 to work with the Massachusetts School Building Authority to oversee the feasibility study, design and construction to develop a solution for renovation and or new construction for the high school based on the statement of interest dated April 1st, 2015 and was submitted by Belmont to the Massachusetts School Building Authority. The 2016 annual Belmont Town Meeting voted to fund the first phase of the big school project, which is the feasibility study and schematic design phase. In collaboration with the Massachusetts School Building Authority, the study and design will follow their processes and requires their approval at, as well as the Belmont community to achieve a full project funding. Martha? Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking News. Please join us next week.